Did any of that resemble things that you've dealt with as individuals and within your family? Maybe not every specific thing, but something within that video you related to within regard to the sin and the redemption of Christ at work in your own life. Now in that, the idea behind uh, the gospel-centered family, the idea behind um, handling family matters the right way is to understand that everything flows from the heart. God wants to get to your heart. He, he gets to our heart with love, right? And, and how did he show his love? He gave his only begotten son to die on the cross. We love him, the Bible says, because he first loved us. So love, the example that we set as parents, first, first and foremost is not the standard. It's, it's love as the standard. And if every other standard that is set is measured by love, then what happens is, is the manner in which we carry that out will be one that is more uh, easily accepted. You ever heard, and, and I know I did this with my kids, uh, when they would say, but why, but why? But why? But why? You know, you need to do this because of this. But why? You need to do it because of this. But, but why? I mean, I'm pointing out all the different standards to it. And then, and then in my frustration, I would resort to a statement. Can anybody tell me what that statement is? <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever read the Old Testament, you'll get a lot of God's because I said so side. <laughs> Come on now. It's, it's when you, now understand, if, you, if you're reading the Old Testament in its fullness, you know, sometimes people cherry pick, they want to find the blessing scriptures or they find the places where God's a mean daddy, and the reality is, is there's a lot of in between in that that really paints the full picture. Did you know that some people say, well, you know, the New Testament is grace, the Old Testament is law. Do you know that if you read the Old Testament, you'll find out God's grace was at work then? Why? God didn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Now, now in that, um, the because I said so was stronger in the Old Testament than it is in the New, I would say. And when you read the New Testament, all of a sudden it's because I love you, right? Uh, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Isn't that right? So love becomes the primary factor and then comes if you will, the address of behavior. But when you're raising kids from their earliest stages, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, uh, I got to drive across country with Elijah and Judah in, in the car. Jeremiah got to fly out and meet us because that was just the situation and the way it was all working out is we couldn't all fit in the car. Somebody's got to fly. And I'm going to Ohio, and, and so my family's there. And, you know, Jeremiah loves my family, but it's like, well, I don't need to see them. So... Uh, he flies out and meets us, and then him and Daniel fly back with the kids. But uh, I got to drive across country with the kids in the car. And when you strap them kids into a car seat and you're going cross country, come on, parents, give me. <clears throat> As a parent, um, I don't know, it was different than being a grandparent. And little Judah, turn my mic down a little bit. Little Judah has this, uh, um, yeah, it's a squawk. When it's not something he wants to do, it's a, you know, it's, it's one of those, ah! I'm, I mean, I'd heard it a little bit, and Danielle had referred to it a number of times, like, man, I don't know why he does this. 
we got in that car, and I mean, when he started squawking, that first loud one, I was like, what the world is he doing, you know? And it kept on going, and it kept on going. That kid did not want to be in the car seat anymore, but we got like, you know, 20 hours of this, so dude, you're going to have to, you're going to have to deal. And then it dawned on me that as a grandparent, I could do something that I could not do as a parent. I'd put my headphones in and listen to my music and drown the, <laughs> well, and, and Angie and Danielle are dealing, trying to, you know, console and all of that. And I'm like, do, do, do. <laughs> oblivious. <laughs> my responsibilities have changed just a little bit. Danielle and Jeremiah tried to get me to spank the boy. They do something. It's like, you wouldn't spank them for that? I'm like, no, you can, though. They're like, you're going to have to spank them sooner or later. I'm like, you know, we'll see. <laughs> I'm like, man, you're a horrible grandpa if you don't spank them when they do something they shouldn't. You spanked us, Dad. You know, I'm like, that was different. I was a parent, you know. Let me give them a little sugar and you can go home. <laughs> and what I'm speaking to, and, and that's the thing, like, you know, he's strapped into that, uh, that, that seat. And the circumstances aren't what he wants them to be, but because of the law being the way that it is, he can't get out of the seat. And so it's what's going on trying to understand trying to console trying to and and there's an element where you know where I finally drowned it out but I noticed they finally got him you know calmed down most of the time and you know good to go um so I want to I want to read something to you uh, scripture to you and then I want to share with you what the main focus of today will be Proverbs 4:23. above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it Guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. Now, I want to say that if it's our responsibility to guard our heart, the scriptures challenge us to guard our heart, how important is it, us, is it for us as parents to help our children understand how to guard their heart? And if we are going to do that, how important is it for us to be able to get to the heart of our children? We have to be able to get to the heart of our children. Oftentimes it's, you're going to do this or you need to do that. And I'm telling you now, if you can't get to their heart, they'll never learn and understand why they are to do what they do. Why? Because I said so. No, why? Because this brings life and this brings death. When God set the, the what in front of us, what did he say? I set before you life and death. Choose life that you may live. The why was right there so that you can live. Now, I don't know too many parents. I've not met too many. I grew up through, through a good bit of abuse. But at the end of the day, uh, you, you would hear, you know, parent, it, it's like, I love you. I think it's an intent of any parent to love their child. I think sometimes we don't know how to love our children when things aren't going the way they should be going, the way we want them to go, or the way we wish they were. And it's so important for us to maintain our composure when things aren't the way we want them to be with our children. Parents, can you give me an amen? Can I say that I always did that? No, I, I can't say that. Now, now, I want to challenge the kids in here to listen to this part because as I share this, I'm going to be, I'm going to be getting, getting your parents a good bit today. Say amen. I'm going to get them today. We'll say God's going to get them. And when he's getting them, he's getting me too. Okay? But 
know that, there's no harder job on this planet. Look, marriage is tough. Raising kids is harder as far as I'm concerned. Why? Because we're together for the rest of our life. You know, when they turn 18, 20, 21, done with college, whatever it may be, hey, God bless you. This isn't going so well. Well, I hope that works out. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> I'm still living here with your mama, though, and, and you know what I'm saying? So uh, I think it's harder in, in many ways because of, of the fact that, um, you know, it's not just that it's one day they're going to be out. It's that oftentimes they want to be out far before they're ready. And you start hitting those teen years, young ones, here's what happens. Like, I want to make my own decisions. I want to, I want to decide what I'm going to do. And, and you know what? I can't wait till I'm old enough to get out of here and, and not have to follow your rules anymore. Come on, give me an amen, parents and children. That's just the way it is. You know, uh, people are like, well, you're a pastor. You didn't have to deal with that, right? <laughs> I thought I wasn't going to have to deal with that. I really did. At one point in my, in my, in my life raising my kids, I'm thinking, I'm raising them in the church. I'm teaching them the right thing. That, you know, I'm doing all that God told me to do. Raise up my children the way they should go. And when they grow old, they won't depart from it. I missed the part where it said when they grow old, they won't depart from it. Somehow it, it escaped me that my kids were not going to do everything right. Just because I told them to and I'm a pastor. Come on now. Hmm. And God got me, man. When I, my kids would make mistakes, it was just a point where he said, Derek... When you read the scriptures, do you not read that all have fallen short of the glory of God and sinned? At what point did you think your children weren't a part of the all? I'm not joking with you because I was frustrated. I've served you, God. I, I mean, my wife and I have loved you and we've served your kingdom and done it. You know, when you're pleading with God like Job did, like, I'm a good person. There's, you know, I've done the right things, God. How can this bad stuff come in my life? How can my kids behave this way? At what point did you think that all did not include your children? It certainly included you, Derek, where you were concerned, right? And all of a sudden, it changed my perspective. Now, that in mind, listen to this, young people. This is the reason why it's important to honor your mother and father, and it doesn't give you the ability to choose whether or not you do it. It tells you, if you want this, then you'll do this. With me, young people? Are you with me, young people? Okay, that's amen if you're with me. You're like, I don't, I'm not with you because I don't want to hear what you're about to say because then I'm going to have to do it. Proverbs 1, 8 through 9. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace. That's unmerited favor. And be a chain of honor around your neck. Basically, if, if you listen to that instruction, I'm talking about the godly instruction of your parents, that what will happen is, is that's going to set you up for God's blessing in your life. Well, what if they tell me to do something that, that God wouldn't be okay with? I would just say, graciously say, I don't want to do that because God's word says this. And then what happens? Well, you honored them by pointing them back to their ultimate parent, and then they got, they got some stuff to think about. You, parents, any of your kids ever remind you of the Word of God? I think m many of you have heard the story of Angie and I fighting. I mean, just yelling at each other, calling each other names. Don't stare with me, self-righteousness. <laughs> don't act like you don't do that once in a while. <laughs> I mean, we were at it. I mean, we're on the verge of divorce, basically, is where it was. We were just done. Year seven, 
I believe it was. So Daniel's five, or is she four? Five. She was five. And, and we're at it like crazy. They were back playing with Barbie dolls in the bedroom. And this kid that we're raising up in the ways of the Lord, dedicated to the Lord as a beautiful little baby, we dedicate you to Jesus, right? May you live for him all your life, dot, 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 dot. And, and taking her to church and teaching her the things of God and reading the scriptures to her and worshiping in the house with her, dancing to worship around with Danielle. And uh, that night, um, Danielle became the instructor. As she walked between us, we didn't even recognize, we were so at one another, we didn't even recognize her walking between us and putting her hand on both of our stomachs. That's how short she was. And just doing one thing. God said stop. Yelled it. We both looked down at her. Locked up. And I looked at Angela and went, I'm going to my office. She goes, I'm going to the bedroom. Daniel went back and started playing Barbies again. I truly believe as we was raising our child in the things of God, she was learning to hear the voice of God and heard the voice of God and walked in and just in a declarative way spoke to both of us correctively. The Bible says that the word of God is good for instruction, reproof, and correction. I, don't, I looked around. I didn't necessarily see where it said a little five-year-old will come in and set you straight, you know. But she did, and because Angie and I had respect for the word of God, she's not authority to herself, I'm not authority to myself. You understand that's where strife and contention comes from. It comes from pride. And we're both locked in pride and couldn't give over to one another. And being locked in the state of that pride was depriving our children of the peace that God intends them to be raised in. Come on, somebody say amen in the house of the Lord. So, let me zero in on getting to the heart of your child. Now, some would say, well, I don't have children or I've never been able to have children. Well, let me say this. You know people who do. And because you know people who do, allow these words then to be something for you that you would be able to impart to someone who maybe does have a child. And what happens is, is you start to then exhibit parenthood by helping those around you. I know that it's, it's, it's a tragedy and it's a difficult thing not to have your own children. I've been around folks who, who feel like God doesn't love them, that he wouldn't bestow children upon them. But the reality is, is you can go and you can read in Scripture and you find those places. But truth be told, this is the case. God can bless you with spiritual children then. And let me say, when all this is said and done, do you know the only thing that's going to remain out of all of us is the spiritual state of who we are? This natural stuff is gone. It's the spiritual that will carry on for all eternity. So I also challenge and encourage those that may not have children that God can give you spiritual children and these same principles apply. The scripture admonish us in 1 Peter 3.8 that we should be like one big happy family full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Galatians 6.10 calls us a family of believers. In Hebrews 2.11, it says we are of the same family. 1 Peter 4.17 calls us the family of God. So keep that in your mindset as you think about all that we do in the natural. It's all building towards this eternal family. Everything I've done with my kids personally, naturally, Angie and I as parents, 
they have been on loan to us. We have actually, as parents, we're stewards, stewards of our children. No, I'm the owner of those kids. No, I'm not, because I'm not the designer. The Bible says that God formed them in the womb, that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. And it is God's design that formed them. And what he did is he's lent them to me to steward and raise in his ways because we all belong to God. Amen. To have the right perspective, it is important to understand that I'm not saying there will never be differences, fights, or seasons of silence. Sometimes it leads to that place of silence where families don't talk to one another. I'm saying that as a whole, your relationship will be healthy, and even when it is difficult, there will always be, listen to this, a clear understanding that your love for them and their love for you is not in question. That for parents, we have a sacred responsibility to guide our children and maintain a relational connection with them. For children, you have a responsibility to honor and listen to your parents' uh, godly instructions because it is what brings blessing in your life. Can you say amen? amen? Everything we do as parents will not be fun and rewarding. <laughs> it's not fun and rewarding. <laughs> There's some things we do in, in parent, as parents that's painful that brings anguish. Uh, any, any parent in here enjoy spanking their children? If you do, see me after service. We need to have a talk. <laughs> I'm telling you, that statement of this hurts me more than it's going to hurt you, every kid's thought, what the heck are they talking about? You know, But every parent knows and understands, like, ah, go on, I don't want to do that. But the Bible says that you know, the rod of correction, you know, Foolishness is in the heart of a child, and the rod of correction will drive it far from them. No way does that mean you beat your kids, but what it means is you discipline them. And once in a while, we had a few things that you don't do in our house because it can bring Mr. Wright out. Anybody that's known me long enough, who's Mr. Wright? Say, who's Mr. Wright? That's my boat oar. That's right. Look at you. Oh, my God, you know. It was just a wooden boat oar. I didn't have to swing a hard and just a little tap, and they're like, oh, I don't like that. Good. I don't like doing it either, so don't lie anymore. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't, you know. Basically, it comes down to those things that are a pure violation of any hope of you having integrity in your life. You have no regard for other people. Does that make sense? There are certain things that do need to be punished in that way. But before that ever happens, there always needs to be a conversation. And there needs to be a space of time because you're never to punish your kids or to discipline your kids out of anger or out of wrath. Isn't that right? Never do that because what you'll do is you'll, you'll crush their heart. You won't get to their heart. You'll crush it. Now, so where it comes to influence in your child's life, let me challenge every parent, both natural and spiritual, to do the following so you can get to the heart of your child. Not breaking their heart. You're getting to their heart. One, one, love them. Love them in good times and in hard times. See, when they're being good, it's easy to love on them. When they're being bad, it, it, you know, it's a little more difficult to love on them. Did you know that, that you know, there's that thing called, anybody ever heard of tough love? When those hard times come, there's tough love. But sometimes, know this, children will act out because something's going on in their life. We always had a rule. Before we ever think about punishing our child, we want to find out what's really going on. Because if I'm raising my child and I'm teaching them the right things, 
What is it that's causing them to deviate from that? That means I have to have a conversation. How many of you agree it's hard to have a conversation with a five-year-old? That's why you're the parent and they're the child. It's work. Let's just be honest about it. Sometimes it's easier just to, you know, to ground them. Sometimes it's easier to punish them before you understand them than it is to understand them and determine whether or not there is still a requirement for punishment or there should be grace and here's how you need to handle that in the future. Does that make sense? See, I, I think that's the difference between abusers and discipliners is those that understand why they're disciplining their children. Those that children, their children understand why they're being disciplined and that there's a real reason for it. But to bring discipline of, of any corporal nature before you understand what's going on with your child, I would consider to be abuse. Again, that would be my opinion. Some may differ, but, but I think it's a pretty sound opinion on that. So in the good times and in the hard times, love your children. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion, his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, what is that saying? That's simply saying this. Here's God's way of disciplining, right? Uh, you know this, that even though there may be some discipline, what's going to happen is, is God's grace is there waiting for you. God's love is there waiting for you. And then in the morning, it's not like it's like, okay, they're mad at me. See, if you don't discipline your children out of anger, what happens is, is they're not going to wake up with the mindset that you're angry with them. They wake up with the mindset to run to you, not run from you. Come on, say amen, somebody. The second thing is challenge them. Hey, challenge them. Don't be afraid. Love them first, but make sure you challenge them. You're not their friend. You're their parent. I, as a pastor, I have seen parents try to be their kid's best friend, and I want you to know it never works. It just does not work because no matter how friendly you are with them, guess what? Their friends at school agree with them on everything, and eventually, as a parent, you are going to have to disagree. You're going to have to disagree. And when that moment comes, your kid doesn't see you as a good friend. Because their friends at school agree, yeah, you're right, your parents just don't get it. Oh, well, that's right, the one with as much experience as they have get it better than you do. Now, kids, look, I've been beating up on your parents pretty hard today. You need to understand, those friends at school that are telling you, like, this is how life works, you really trust their counsel? They get it? They don't get it any more than you do. They're feeling the same uh, pull of wanting to make their own decisions and being responsible. H how do I know that's the truth? I cannot even begin to tell you the possibly thousands of times that I've sat with parents and kids, and what happens is, man, my kid is done. Let, let, me, give you, let me give you one right now. And, and this is somebody that's moved away, so nobody has to, like, I wonder who that is in the congregation. They've already moved away, so it's nobody in here. Say, it's nobody in here, Pastor. All right, but somebody in here might end up dealing with that with their kids if, if, if there's not an understanding of the way that the world is working today is that like where a kid, uh, you know, his, his girlfriend sexts him. Does everybody know what sexting is? That's where they send a picture. Basically, when I was a kid, 
uh, you had a neighbor kid or whatever. There's a girl, you're a boy, and it's like, you show me yours, I'll show you mine. Come on. Don't act so righteous. You, uh, you telling me nobody did that? No one in here. Uh, come on. Serious? Amen? Did, did anybody ever at least saw that? Like, oh my God, look at what they're doing, you know? Here's the deal. Sexting, though, the difference is, is all of a sudden you put something, it's, it's a picture, it gets sent to this kid and that kid. What do boys do when they get a picture of a naked girl? Thank you. They're like, dude, check this out, right? And, and the way they do that, uh, since, you know, um, most communication now with kids somehow seems to be, they just, I mean, they're right beside one. Like, dude, check this out. He's standing right there, and he sends the picture to that kid. And it's like, hey, check that out. Because when it was the girl to the boy, that's one thing. But the moment he sent the picture to somebody else, guess what it just became? Child pornography. And that kid now can be arrested and convicted as a, as, a, as a sex offender. And basically, for the rest of his life, he's a sex offender for something like that. Now, while I believe there needs to be standards, I, I understand children. Children are going to do what children do. And, and we end up with situations and we end up with, with uh, um, systems and things that go on that really set our kids up for major failure. Kids, that's why it's important for you to listen to your parents. Because guess what happens to this kid that's parents been trying to tell him, like, hey, don't be doing this, don't be sexting, don't be doing these things, da, 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 told him. And that's the thing, the parents are in there like, I've told him a thousand doggone times, you know, be careful what you do on the phone, don't do this, don't do that. And it's like, uh-huh, and they still do it. And here's the thing, the kid says, that, like, I want to make my own decision. And that's what they, they're going back and forth, it's like, I want to make my own decision, blah, 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 but he's not responsible enough and so on. At that point, do you think the kid's saying to the parents, like, I want to make my own decisions, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that's what the kid's saying to the parent then? What do you think happened when the cops showed up at school and they called the kid up and they start having a talk with him and they take his phone? What do you think happened? Who's the first person? Do you think he said to his buddy down the, you know, hey, bud, come over here, man, help me out? I mean, you're so wise in counsel, and I know you really get life, and I need you to come and help me out with the situation with the cops and the teachers. Anyone? Who did he call? Ghostbusters? Some of you heard that. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? No, he picked up the phone, and who do you, somebody tell me who he called. Mom and Dad. And this is the proof, watch, transition, adolescence, say adolescence. You're becoming an adult. For the young people, listen to me. You're becoming an adult, but you don't get everything, and your friends don't either. So don't trust them where it comes to guidance in your life. Trust your parents. Be honest with your parents. Be open with your parents. And yes, I get that they don't. Look, it's not that they don't get it. There's some things they just don't want to know. Right? When I, when, when I pastor the youth, a lot of times I'm kind of like this. I'm like, where am I at in my points? Yes, challenge them. Pastoring youth, the, the thing was is that, you know, I would talk to parents like, oh, my kid's godly and they do the right things and da-da-da. I'm like, uh-huh. I need to pray for their denial. God, give me an opportunity for them to understand that their kid probably knows more about this stuff than they do right now. Uh, the, the changes in the way things are happening, you know, technology and what it's turning it to. And somehow we need to make the connection so the kid and the parent are the ones that know the most about the situation knows the most about their life and the parents are helping to raise the kids not like in denial and letting them be raised by the system but when I say that by the world because they don't raise kids well come on now they don't 
Hey, you need to do that. Hey, try this out. Experiment with this. You know, I got one kid calling me a few weeks ago, and it's like, you know, my, my mom and dad are kind of like, hey, you need to go out and have sex with as many people as you can because, you know, when you get married, you can't do that. These are Christian people. Go party, have fun. Like, are you even kidding me right now? And the kid's calling me going, I just, you know, I'm like, you keep doing what the Word of God teaches you, and at some point look at your parents and say, hey, uh, at what point in the Bible where it says that fornication isn't right, that you're okay with that? Because I, I remember you take me to church and we're a Christian family, right? And watch their jaws drop as a child speaking the Word of God with honor, with respect, because they are your parents. But say, at what point in the Word of God where it says fornication is wrong, are you okay with me going out and committing fornication and turning from God? Because that's not why you take me to church, right? Y'all hearing me here? Challenge your kids. Now watch. I say this. When Kids, when you're in that stage of adolescence where, where those things are transitioning and you don't want to listen to your parents anymore because they don't know or you, don't wanna, you just don't want to hear what they have to say, it's at those points where something goes wrong and you call upon them that proves your childhood is still well intact because you can't take care of your problems on your own. You call mommy and daddy. All of a sudden, mommy and daddy's advice, mommy and daddy's opinion matters. What I say is listen to mom and dad's opinion. Ask them for freedom. Ask them to help guide you. That's one of the things. We take Danielle sitting right here like, dear God, man, you're just like laying it all out there, dad. She's a woman now raising her own kids. Guess what? She gets it. And they might be little, but it's like, I mean, right now it's like, no, you're not playing with that right now. I said you're not playing. I said you're not playing with that right now, right? And hey, when the teen years come, I said you're not playing with that right now. <laughs> you getting me here? Part of raising teenagers, man, it's a challenge. It's hard. It's not easy. But it's not easy raising little ones either. They all have their own difficult stages. And then when your kids become adults, guess what? You're still going to challenge them from time to time. Why? My challenge now, right? It would be like, you know, you need to spank them. No, you need to, <laughs> you need to let me be a grandpa. <laughs> Listen to this. Challenge them. You're not their friend. You're their parent. Proverbs 22.6. Start children off the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not run from it. You start them off. You can't get them there overnight, but you at least start them off. Proverbs 3.12. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father, uh, the son delights in. Discipline your children, but discipline them because you delight in them. Does that make sense? Not because you're angry at them. The third thing is encourage them. Encourage them. Praise their accomplishments. Praise their accomplishments. Encourage them. Praise their accomplishments. You know, all too often it's easy, you know, look, I did this sometimes, you know, Wade, I was probably harder on Wade, my son, than, than, than the girls in that sense. You know, one day you're going to be responsible for a woman and, you know, children and you, you need to be a man. And, you know, it's just kind of, I think, part of, you know, uh, my makeup to, to be harder where it came to, you need to, you've got to be the head of a household and you need to be responsible and a covering and so all those things. And so... Uh, once in a while, I'd find myself, Angie would have to, like, look, you know, he's a kid. But I'm wanting him to become a man, and so I'd be a little too hard on him at times. And then, then there were times I was hard on him, and he really needed it. But, uh, you know, um, and Angie didn't want me to be hard on him because, you know, that was her baby boy. But it's okay because it, it brought balance, you know. That's what, that's what 
uh, both parents should do is they should bring balance to one another. She loves my kids. I love her kids. Guess what? They're our kids. We help one another with regard to that. I would have to talk to Angie once in a while where it came to her and Vanessa because they were so alike. And I still are, man. I mean, just, you know, if Vanessa did something wrong, hey, you need to apologize to your brother. It's like, and Angie struggles to apologize, but will make changes. Vanessa struggles to apologize, will make changes. But like Danielle and Wade would prefer the apology, you know, and that there's, there's that heartfelt expression, if you will, because that's the way they're wired. I'm wired that way. I want the apology and then change too. Um, I'll, I'll offer the apology and struggle to change. Angie uh, will withhold apology and change. Does that make sense? We all have different makeups. But, but in that, it's important for there to be way more, way more praise than there ever is those hard statements. Listen to Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise or blessing, if you will, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy your life, or excuse me, long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Training and instruction is, is much different than exasperation. And I could, I could look back and know that there were times in, in, in my relationship with my son where, uh, you know, I was exasperated. And then so, you know, it's like I'm too hard on him. And, in, I mean, she would never do it in front of the kids. You know, once in a while there would be a slip like, Derek, do you think you're doing the right thing? It's like, don't you dare do that in front of the kid. It's us against the world, baby, you know, and especially where it comes to the kids. Because if they unite against us, we're in trouble. <laughs> you know, any of you ever have your kids like, you know, hey, can I go do this thing? And it's like, no. And then they go to the other parent and they're like, hey, can I go? Sure. And they come back and say, mom said I could or dad said I could. And then as parents, you're going, what just happened? You just got played right? Any parent ever been in that situation? So our thing was always like, uh, you know, if the kids come and ask me, uh, well, I'll talk that over with your mom. If they came and ask her, well, I'll talk that over with your dad. Why are you talking to him? Well, I'll talk to him too. You see what I'm saying? Because what happens is our kids needed to know, like, uh, whatever counsel you're going to get from your parents, it's going to be united, and there's not going to be this confusion going on, and all of a sudden, she and I are fighting, and the kids are like, yes, I can do whatever I want. It starts early, too, by the way. Uh, it doesn't take them long to learn those things. So uh, very, very important to encourage more uh, than, than there would ever be any kind of discouragement. You're not going to bat a 1,000 on that, but, man, I challenge you. Encourage your kids. Praise their accomplishments. Listen to this one. A little girl, and this is, this is the nature of kids in many ways. Uh, a little girl had been trying, to tie, uh, trying for months to learn how to tie her shoes. She finally got the knack of it and was able to do it herself. Her parents uh, expected delight in the child. You know, they expressed that delight, but the child was not happy. To their surprise, she was disappointed. Her father asked, why are you crying? She sobbed. She broke into a sob. I just learned how to tie my shoe. He said, that's a wonderful thing, sweetie. Why are you crying? She replied, because now I have to do it the rest of my life. Oftentimes that's the case. I remember Vanessa saying one time to school, I mean, I, I want to say that raising our son, you know, it had challenges to it. Um, it. You know, boys are boys. They break things. They do all, you know, they're just more rambunctious. Uh, you might be raising a girl that's a little more tomboy. So, you know, you might like, what are you talking about? 
but, but that was the case for us. And, and I remember, you know, it was kind of like, but girls, I mean, they get into that, like, late grade school, it begins. And girls are doggone mean, man. All of a sudden, Vanessa's coming home. My friends don't want to be my friends anymore. I'm like, why? Because she got a new friend, and she don't want to be my friend. I'm like, did you do something? I don't think so, Daddy. She just told me I got a new friend, and you're not my friend anymore. And I said, well, go, go back to school and ask her why. And, and so she did, and she goes, because I got a new friend. Are you dumb? <laughs> my daughter comes home. That didn't work, Daddy. And I'm like, holy moly, man, this is a whole different thing here. And, uh, you know, when I look at it, so often uh, raising them, the encouragement side. So what happened for me is, is, is I started to realize, okay, I have to understand you know, before I give advice, because I sent her back into the, the lion's den, if you will. And so I started sitting down and having a full conversation on, maybe you could approach it this way, dot, dot, dot. And, you know, as a little girl, how many of you ever read a John Maxwell book or seen John Maxwell? And, and here's the shocker to me. I think it was the fifth grade, Vanessa comes to me, and talking about, like, this girl and that girl. And I'm like, good Lord, does this ever stop, you know? And it only got worse as it went on, right? Um, and so I thought, man, I got to really help her. So John Maxwell has this section called how to deal with difficult people. And, uh, <laughs> you're laughing. I mean, I thought to myself, like, I, I mean, I'm at a loss here and all I know, I've, I read this and, and it works in adult life and I'm just going to help her start becoming the adult amongst children. Isn't that what we're supposed to do as parents? And part of me saying, she ain't going to understand this stuff. And I thought, well, What's it going to hurt? Because I have no idea what to tell my daughter anymore. <laughs> and so what I do is I sit down with her and I read, start reading to her. And she goes, can I have that book, Daddy? I'm like, uh, sure. She goes to her room and she reads it. She come down like, Daddy, what does this word mean? <laughs> you know, when you're like, like, you know, every other sentence trying to tell her what a word means. But I'll tell you what, she digested that. Goes to school. And all of a sudden... The, you know, these basic queen bees or whatever, you know, the haters, they're doing their thing. And Vanessa, Vanessa would walk in, and this was the big thing. It's like, when there are people like that, go find different people. Because, you know, I, I remember watching a movie one time, and, and it's like, well, you know, this person trying to appeal to that person, and da-da-da. It's like, you know, some people just want to watch the world burn. Some people just can't help themselves. They are so negative. They want to tear everything down. Good thing to distance yourself from that. Speak, speak the best you can. And walk away and find different people to be around if they, if they can't accept what you have to say. So Vanessa did that. Well, you know what she did? And this is kind of what truth will do. It liberated three other girls that were trying to fit in as well. And they go, you know, Vanessa, I want to hang out with you. <laughs> And the next thing you know, so next thing you know, and she didn't, when the Queen Bee style, she would just kind of drama would start, and this is what she would do. Uh, guys, I don't do drama. She'd go away. And the other girls were like, well, so you can say that? <laughs> I'm going with her. Because <laughs> somehow there was the thought that you have to stay in it no matter what. Uh, and, and it was through that Vanessa come back home. She goes, Dad, this is what I did. And some of them were upset. But these other girls, like, came over and started talking to me like, I don't want to do that. You know, I said, that's good. Baby. So the encouragement, you know what? It's okay uh, to lead a different way than the way things are going. Amen? All right, let me try and get to the point of wrapping this up.
Number four. Uh, let me give you this scripture. Colossians uh, 3.21. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Uh, again, that's that speaking, those encouraging words. You know, I can tell you that Vanessa, there was those times where she would come to me, you know, one in the morning. Daddy, can we talk? Like, what? One in the, dude, I just, you know. But, you know, I could have been like, no, go to bed. I don't want to talk about it right now. But, you know, be available. Be encouraging to your kids. Number four, make time for them. That falls within that context. Make time for them. Quality over quantity. You can spend a lot of time with your kids. That doesn't mean it's going to make the impact. It's the quality time you spend with your kids that's going to make the impact. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, that's referring to from infancy. These parents, uh, Timothy's parents, his mom and his, because his father evidently was not saved, but his mom and his grandmother, Eunice and I can't remember the other, were investing the word of God from infancy. So when do you begin? From infancy, you begin to speak the word of God. Pray with your children, do those things, and you'll find that it sticks with them. It did for Timothy. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 gives us that wonderful command that I give you today. Um, are to be on your hearts and impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Be there for your kids. Quality over quantity. You can do a lot of stuff with them, but it's the quality things you invest in them that's going to stick and it's going to last into their adulthood. And let me say this to you, because I've, I've ratted my kids out on a lot today. And let me throw a little bit of praise out there. Every one of my kids were amazing. And for whatever shortcomings they had, once they became adults, each, each one of them, right? A letter comes back when they, become, when they start to really realize, Mom, Dad, I realize how amazing you were as parents, how you taught us these things and how you taught us these things. And forgive me when I, you know, I didn't want to do those things and so on and so forth. And it's like, you know, we read, I mean, and you can't help it. We would read the letter and we would just sob. Why? Because each one had their own difficulties, their own challenges. Again, they did way more good than they did bad but even if it had done more bad than good and still come to that realization and sent that letter do you think it would have been even more sweet for a parent who's been through a whole lot more turmoil than my kids might have caused Angie and I that that for the parent that gets that letter from their kid because they did invest those things and and so they're in their late 30s and all of a sudden they realize and they send that letter how sweet is that day to that parent because they chose to invest the right things in their child from infancy. Number five, and probably the most important one you could do, <laughs> is pray for them. Pray for them. Lay them on the altar, and God will raise them up. Lay them on the altar, and God will raise them up. It's in God's nature to raise up what's laid on an altar. Did you know that? His son was laid on an altar, and what did he do? He raised him up. Abraham took his son up on the mountain and he's going to sacrifice his son. This is the type and shadow of God giving his only begotten son. And when he was going up the mountain, here's what Abraham's declaration was. He said, for I know that he is able, right, 
to bring forth, to raise up that which he has promised. When you understand that God's promise to you is, is that if you raise your child in the way they should go, when they grow, they won't depart from it. That's what God promises you. Your part is to invest all of that in, no matter what you feel the returns are at that moment, and allow the Holy Spirit to work on that. You join in through prayer. Pray for your kid. Put them on the altar over and over. And some of you I know may be dealing with wayward children that just aren't serving the Lord. And I want you to be encouraged with this. <laughs> Every prodigal can come home. Every prodigal can come home. It is not us that leads people to the Father. Did you know that? The Bible says that no man comes to the Father. Can anyone finish it? Unless the Spirit draws them. Your prayers... Your prayers before God moves angels who are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. Can anybody tell me who an heir of salvation is? All mankind is an heir of salvation. God wasn't willing that any should perish, but all come to everlasting life. And those ministering spirits go forth and minister to those who are heirs of salvation. And it is the Spirit of God when the spiritual climate changes. That warfare that's being done in prayer, when that climate changes, that what happens that they begin to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Watch. The words that you were speaking into them when they were young, where maybe they were going, la, la, I don't want to hear this. That's what the Spirit will have to work with. So don't stop speaking the Word of God. Don't stop getting your kids to church. Don't stop letting them be saturated in the Word of God. Why? Because you never know at what moment that the Spirit will speak and they will recognize it and it will go, listen, from information to revelation. And we know that Jesus said to Peter, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're alive. Some say John the Baptist come back from the dead. Who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, son. See, it's referencing, you know, parenthood and sonship. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. How was that done? By the Holy Spirit. Never underestimate the power of a praying parent with regard to their children. Your prayers to give your kids to God is the greatest prayer you can pray. Listen to this. 1 Samuel 1.27 says, I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked him. Samuel, who was prayed for by a barren woman, received that child and that child became a prophet in the house of God and served the house of God the remainder of his days. 1 Chronicles 29, 19, this is David, King David, praying for his son Solomon, who was the wisest man to ever live. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commandments, your statutes and decrees, and to do everything to build the uh, palatial uh, structure for which I have provided. David set all of it up, prayed for his son. His son did build that. And interesting enough, David's son... You know, he became wayward. Why? Because while he was so wise, he didn't heed his father's instructions. What I read in the beginning, so important to heed our parents' instructions that our life to honor them so that our life goes well with us. Some scholars don't even believe Solomon was saved at the end of his life. To be so wise and to lose his own soul. And let me say that that only comes when you are detached from a relationship with God. Wisdom in and of itself, information is never enough. 
relationship will always, always be greater than information. You've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Listen to John 17, 9 through 11 as I close. Um, he's, this is Jesus talking about his disciples, uh, which spiritually he was the father to. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain with the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Now, if that doesn't speak to the nature of every parent, I mean, you know, I know tragedies happen sometimes and parents don't outlive their kids. But if you think about that prayer right there, that's the prayer that I would hope for my own children. That, that there will be a point where I go on to be with God and that while they'll still remain here, that, that they would be one just as now I've become one with God. Jesus and the Father, that all of a sudden I, I'm no longer in flesh, but now it's, it's spirit and spirit only. It's what God e intended for us all eternally, that we would be one with him just as he is one with Christ in the, the spirit. And we're joined together for that eternal family of God. We're all destined for that at some point as long as we join into it by faith in Jesus Christ. But while we're here on the earth, how we raise our children in regard to passing those things are on to them, it, it will determine whether or not they become a part of that one. So it's so, so vital that we are the examples, parents, to our children for those things. So listen, getting to the heart of your child is the key to helping them experience the blessing of God. What are you investing, listen, what are you investing in when it comes to your children? Is it stuff? Is it sports? Is it pleasure? Or is it a relationship with God? You can do all those other things. My question is, is where does God, where's he at on the list? Is he at the top? Or does he fall somewhere where you can fit him? I would challenge every single one of us where it comes to our children that God needs to be the number one priority. If we declare he's the number one priority to us, they're going to measure whether or not he is by what they see, not by what we say. Would you all agree with that? And so it's important for us to let it be something that they can see. I've stood up here and I've dedicated many children. And I know that when I've done that, the parents' communication, they want God. They want to give the child back to God in that sense because they understand themselves as stewards. In other words, they understand God's here and they're here. And they want their kids here. And the reason why is because the greatest hope they have of their child having a relationship with God is to give him or him or her back to God. So if that's the case, the question would be is, do we allow then distractions to come in and distort all of that? And what our kids see as an image doesn't match up with the words that we speak. Very, very important that that matches up. Where it comes to family matters that if it doesn't match up, then what happens is, is that it, it's the worst thing. I mean, I know places where my kids, it's kind of like uh, Wade one time, he's like, well, Dad, you don't do that. <laughs> it's a knee-jerk moment when your kid's speaking the Word of God to you. 
And I've had them do it enough. Let me, let me give you one final thing here as you stand to your feet. And I'm going to challenge you with something else you have on your paper, but stand to your feet. By show of hands, parents in the room, how many of you have ever fallen short or failed with your, ch- your children? I want to tell you the easiest way to get to their heart. The easiest way to get to their heart is, is not by standing. It's by now. I had you stand for a reason. Then oftentimes what happens is, is that we understand we're in charge and our kids come pointing out a fault that we have. You want to you teach them humility. The greatest way you can teach humility to them is to show it yourself. When my kids would point something out or I knew I had done something I shouldn't have done or I said something I shouldn't have said to them, that's the moment where, and I thank God that the conviction of the Holy Spirit, no greater... No greater voice than the Holy Spirit's voice in our life. But when the Holy Spirit would convict me, and oftentimes when they say, you know, Dad, you said that, but that's not, it's like, ugh. And the Spirit of God would set down on those words. I would kneel before my kids. I would put myself, see, because I'm over them. Most of their life, I've stood over them, right? And I am over them. I'm in charge of them. And at the moment where I fell short, what I made sure is that I brought myself lower than them. And I would say, I ask your forgiveness for yelling at you. Or ask your forgiveness that I did this or whatever it may have been. And then I want you to pray for me. Man, I got to tell you, (laughs) there was nothing like having my child lay their hands on me. And then to hear the words come out of their mouth. It's, It's an amazing thing. That all of a sudden you have a child that sounds like an adult as they pray for you. Why? Because the Spirit of God is at work in the midst of that. And my kids, Father, I thank you for my daddy. And I pray that you'll help him to be a good dad. I mean, you know, they may not say it. Help, help him to be a good daddy. And I love him, God. And, and I'm not mad at him. And, it's a, and all of a sudden what you have is you see you have restoration. You're not dealing with that video. Is it gospel-centered. Every family's broken. But it can be mended. It can be redeemed. God can redeem whatever's broken in your families as long as you follow his example. How do I know humbling yourself? Did God say he was sorry to us? God didn't say he was sorry. God did more than say he was sorry. God became sin. He who knew no sin became sin that we might be saved. So is it a horrible thing to put ourselves in that place of the things that we ask of our children that we become the example of those things so that they listen they see it they don't just hear it and what happens is is it moves from being information knowledge to a revelation and trust me when you look in the eyes of your kids and you thank them for their forgiveness they will understand forgiveness better than they've ever understood it because someone that's in authority over them in charge of them and can tell them what to do is now yielded to them kids understand I'm not saying that your parents need to do what you tell them to do I'm talking about the nature of Christ working in our families can you say amen saints on that sheet I gave you uh, there's two questions on there I'm going to ask you this week truly contemplate this don't don't like hear this and walk okay that was a great message or maybe it wasn't a great message I know I babbled a little bit but I'm trying to 
mold this together. It's a sad state of the church today that they say that church families, marriages, and so on look no different than the world. Could you say amen to that? It shouldn't be that way. And I believe it's because we're not being transformed by the power of God as a result of yielding to Him in His ways in our marriages and in our families. It matters that we get to the heart of our children because God did everything He could to get to our heart. Let Him in. Let Him in your heart and you get in your children's heart and help them be the best young people they can be in Christ. Amen. On that sheet, what did God speak to you today? Maybe everything didn't speak to you, but hopefully something was speaking to you with regard to being a parent. And then, how can you apply it in your life? I'm asking you to go out here today, and sometime in this week, you're really sitting down with that, and you're contemplating like, yeah, this is what God's speaking to me. That might, that might need some forgiveness. It might need some repentance. Do it. How to apply it? Write it down. This is what I need to do. I believe there's some things that in families that really need to be sorted out and set right. And I would challenge everyone in here to do exactly that. So that God can bless you all the more. And your children. As they honor you. As you would hope that they would honor you. Honor the Lord in this request. That you do what is right. That you honor Him as your Heavenly Father. And let your kids see that example. And you'll see them honor you as their earthly mother and father. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for every person in this room. I thank you for all of our parents, God, for the spiritual ones, Lord, and for the natural ones. God, I am thankful for the people who have spoken in my life in a parental way. I'm thankful for the opportunity to have been a parent, to have been a spiritual parent. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be a grandparent now. And Lord, I pray for all of us in this room that we would truly understand the depth of your intent to establish the family. That the family unit is the greatest reflection of how you feel towards us, that we are family. And Lord, when we were wayward and lost, you as a good, good father, God, you made a way where there seemed to be no way. And the way that you made, Father, was in sacrifice and giving. It wasn't in demand. It was in a sacrificial nature, a humble nature. Humbled yourself so low that he who knew no sin became sin. That you became flesh and dwelt among men and endured every temptation. Didn't have to, but did. But you conquered, Father, every sin in the flesh so that you could free and redeem all of us. I pray that for our families. I pray that for all of us, that Gateway Church would be a reflection of your kingdom and your power and your glory in Jesus' mighty and precious name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Listen, love you, bless you, have a great week.